Hey, Grace Free Church fam, what a crazy week. What a crazy time. 2021, give me a break already. But I want you to know, like, we are people of the kingdom. And so we have peace. And following Jesus is a, a journey full of peace. And I hope you're experiencing that no matter what your life has looked like, no matter how high your anxiety level has gotten. We have peace because of Jesus. He's our king. We love him. We follow him. The way of Jesus is way better than any political way. It's way better than any way designed by man. I hope you're experiencing the joy of what it means to follow Jesus this week. And by the way, we're down to online only for this week again. And next week, we'll be back with some in-person services. So be paying attention to that. This week, as we recover physically um, from some stuff, as our team gets back on their feet, be praying for us, please. Uh, we just, uh, we're going back to the vault. And this message that I have for you today is one of my absolute favorites. And not just because I get to lay on a couch for some of it. Um, it's called the comfort trap. And I want to challenge you to not make comfort your goal this year. Don't make seeking comfort your goal. Shoot for something greater than that. Watch the message and hopefully it'll give you some, some help and some tips. And by the way, I've also created small group questions so that when this is posted on our website, you'll be able to go to the recent talk, hit a button and download some questions and some, some Bible verses to read and dig deeper. Hope you do it with your family. I hope you do it with your small group. Man, I appreciate you. I love you. I can't wait to see you soon. Until then, enjoy this comfort trap message and shoot for something bigger in 2021. Yeah. So welcome. Let's pray and we'll just start. Dear God, thank you today for the opportunity to worship you together. And we just pray that you would do what you do best, which is reach each of us where we're at and help us see what you want us to see from your word. That's what matters most. My opinions don't matter. Not, none of the other stuff in our lives, none of the other distractions really matter. What matters is you and what you have for us and what you want to speak to us through your word. So we just pray that you would help us catch a bigger picture of you, that we would hear from you, and that we would be willing to follow you in the steps that you have before us. As we talk about comfort this morning, it's a really good thing but it can also be a dangerous thing. So help us to just see what you have for us today. We're so grateful and thankful for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We all want to be comfortable. So who are we kidding, right? Like we want comfort. It's something we seek in our lives. It's something we want in our lives. You probably spend many weeks, many days thinking, man, I just can't wait. Like I just can't wait to get home, like away from all these people at work and away from all the noise and the kids in bed no longer making any I just want to get home and like relax and just be quiet for like a second I'm so sick of planning meals and all the moms in the house said amen <laughs> I'm so sick of running kids around every place like how many different soccer fields are there in this county, like, I just want it, I want to put on my office episode, 
and I want to drink my comfort drink and eat some meatloaf and leave me alone. Comfort, something we all want. It's something you wish for and look for and hope for and long for. And it's not a bad thing. Comfort. It's not a bad thing at all, but it can be a dangerous thing and it can present a trap for you and your life. You see, comfort, it's not a bad thing until we make it more than what it's supposed to be. Comfort's a bad thing when we don't get off the couch. Right? Like now, if I didn't get off the couch. <laughs> Gotta be honest with you, I'm thinking about not <laughs> thinking about not getting off the couch, but that would be a really awkward, really awkward Sunday morning. And uh, that's the problem with comfort. It's when comfort keeps us from doing the good things from doing the right things that we're supposed to be doing. The problem comes, the comfort trap, always fold your bedding material. It's a great, start the day off right with a win, all right? Like you just gotta, you wanna start the day with a win, make your bed, fold your blanket up, put it where it goes. These are good things. Comfort becomes a trap when when it becomes the main thing, when it becomes the ultimate thing. And we can just be really honest, like, it's easy to go from a place where we want comfort and are hoping for comfort to making it the ultimate goal of our lives. It shouldn't be the ultimate goal for our lives. In fact, if comfort is the ultimate goal for your life, I want to suggest to you something. I want to suggest that you swap that goal out for a much better goal. And the much better goal is Instead of just making my sole purpose to meet my comfort, I want to step into the best life that God has for me by following Him where He's leading me, even when it means being uncomfortable. Like if comfort is your main goal, it's time to swap that out. There's some really encouraging verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In the beginning of this book, Paul's writing this to the church in Corinth, a bunch of people he loves, and he's giving them spiritual advice and teaching them how to live and all of this really cool and important stuff. And it says this in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and listen to this. He's talking about God the Father. The Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort. Now, if you're a note-taking person, like just circle the word all there. If it's on your phone, that's going to be a little difficult. So just write it on your neighbor's arm somewhere. Put it somewhere you're going to remember it, all right? Like all, that word's important. The God of all comfort who comforts us in, here it comes again. You ready for this? All our trouble. Now, that's a troubling part of this verse because we want comfort and we don't want trouble. But here we're learning something really important about who God is and what life looks like with Him. You see, we're going to have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But it didn't just stop there. You see, He also said, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. And this is a really important thing to start to understand as we, as we talk about comfort. You see, 
He is the God of all comfort, and because He loves us, He comforts us no matter what, period. We're going to face trouble. It's going to get uncomfortable. But God's promise to His children is that He loves us, and He is a God who comforts because it's who He is. In fact, it says that word all there. When, when I hear that word all, I think, man, how many other things in my life I try to use for comfort that aren't from Him? And they're probably not truly comforting. Maybe for a moment, maybe a blip in time, but all true and real and lasting comfort that we can experience, which we all want, it comes from God. And He gives us comfort. And He tells us to comfort others with the comfort we've received. This is incredible. We all need comfort. God promises comfort, but comfort is not God. And it is not the ultimate goal or the greatest thing we could ever achieve in our lives. And the temptation is to make it the ultimate thing. You see, that's where the trap comes into play. That's where the couch gets us. The, the trap comes into play when we make comfort the chief goal. And three things happen in our lives when we make comfort the, the chief goal. You ready for this? Here's three things that happen. One, it starts to take over and we create comfort stuff. The problem is we're not great at creating comfort stuff. Come on, how many of you eat comfort ice cream right out of the freezer? Like, I'm telling you right now, all of my pregnancy weight with all three kids was directly spooned from a quart of ice cream in the freezer into my mouth, all of it. Like comfort food, we create comfort foods. And whether it's mashed potatoes and pork and sauerkraut or ice cream or meatloaf or I don't know, pierogies, we are in the skook. <laughs> we create comfort stuff. Uh, we, we think I'm just going to go home and watch episodes of The Office and turn my mind off so I don't have to deal with anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my comfort drink and my comfort place and my comfort escape. And we create all of these comfort things. The problem is they can't hold up under the pressure. There's never enough ice cream. Trust me. I tried. I've tried. Every once in a while, I still try. There's, we create comfort stuff. And if you're trying to you know comfort holds too much weight in your life if you are creating and basing your week off of comfort stuff. The second thing that happens when comfort kind of starts to build its trap and catch us is we avoid the uncomfortable. <laughs> I love to avoid the uncomfortable. I don't want the uncomfortable. The problem is sometimes the uncomfortable is what's needed to get to the place God's taking me. You see, we got to stop assuming that the right thing is defined by comfort. And when I try to avoid the uncomfortable, even when I know it's right, when I try to avoid the uncomfortable conversation I have to have with a kid or with my wife or at work or with somebody I know, when I, when I refuse to share uncomfortable truth that people need to hear, when I back off of a conversation that I know I should have because it's good for them, it's good for me, and it, it'll help God bring healing to our lives and take us to the best place he has for us when I'm avoiding comfort, comfort has a hold of me and I'm making it too important. It's becoming the chief end that I'm seeking. 
Do you, you, you ever avoid uncomfortable stuff? Like, I'm not a fan of creating discomfort, but we can't avoid it either. And there are times in every relationship, every circumstance, every workplace, every day-to-day where uncomfortable steps have to be taken to get to something better. And maybe the comfort trap's got you a little bit and your relationship isn't going where God wants to take it, which is, by the way, way better than you ever could have imagined because you're avoiding the uncomfortable. The third thing that happens when the uncomfort trap starts to get us is we end up chasing. I hate chasing anything, like seriously, running, period. Like, just gonna tell you, I don't wanna run. Like, if somebody's chasing me, all right, I'll run, but I'm probably still gonna run as slow as I possibly can to get away. Like, I'm just not a fan of it. I don't understand track. It's just going in a circle. Like, I know people get mad at me when I say that, and I appreciate you and love you. I just don't want to run. I don't like running, which is a problem when you like ice cream. (laughs) So so I got, like, comfort track. This one's kicking my butt all week. (laughs) Be gentle. The third thing is we chase fleeting comfort from temporary things. I chase fleeting comfort from anything I can find just to give me comfort in a temporary moment. And you can plug whatever it is in there that applies to you. But I know this about my own history and my own life and and, and the lives of people I love and lives of plenty of people. I know that we'll chase all kinds of things to help us feel a little comfortable in a fleeting moment. We'll chase unhealthy relationships. We'll chase unhealthy habits. We'll chase unhealthy escape. We'll chase anything just to get temporary fleeting comfort. So the hard part about this, right, is I have to look at my life and say, am I stuck in the comfort trap? Have I, have I taken something good that God wants to give me Have I taken a promise that he has flat out laid on me with the hashtag no matter what at the end of it? And have I made it God? It's hard, but when we chase fleeting things, when we try to create comfort for ourselves, when we're avoiding the comfort, we're chasing these ridiculous rabbit trails that ultimately will never lead us to the true comfort that's lasting. Rather than chase, and rather than try to manufacture and create our own comfort, rather than keep finding the disappointment at the end of these seasons over and over and over again, what I should do, maybe what you should do, I don't know, wear the shoe if it fits, is I should be seeking sustaining comfort from a God who doesn't change and who wants the best for me. See, that's the switch. That's the, that's the whole comfort thing right there in one sentence. And if you don't remember anything else, I can have all the comfort I need and all the comfort I want, no matter how uncomfortable life gets, because God doesn't change because he loves me and he is a God who comforts his children. 
Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. The path to destruction is way more comfortable than the path to life. You see, the path to life, he says, but small is the gate in verse 14, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Discomfort can be better. And there are some uncomfortable steps we have to take and some uncomfortable roads we have to walk that lead to way better places. They lead our souls to life and they lead us to the life that God has for us. Paul, at the end of this book that starts off talking about comfort, finds himself in a very uncomfortable situation in chapter 12. And I just want to read to you a couple verses starting like halfway through verse 7 in this passage. He starts off talking about how God loves us and how God's a comfort, but then he gets a, like, he just gets slammed with a pretty nasty situation here in chapter 12. He says this, he's talking about boasting and what he can boast about and what other people are boasting about and how he could be boasting on all that God's done through him, the incredible ministry he has, the incredible message that he's been carrying, the results of all that. Like he could be boasting about everything, but he chooses something different. And he says this in verse seven, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. You all are like, thank goodness we came to church. This sounds super encouraging right now. I feel love. A messenger from Satan to torment me. It gets worse. Like three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My powers made perfect in weakness. A guy who was on this journey doing incredible stuff from God who understood that God is a God of comfort and loves him gets this thorn in his side, this discomfort, and all he can think about is like, Jesus, just get this out of my life. I don't want to deal with this discomfort. You got to pull the thorn out. Like this is too much. Three times he pleaded, and some of you are on like time number seven with the thorns in your life. You keep on hitting the replay button. God, take this thorn away from me. And some of those thorns are people, right? Like they got names. <laughs> None of you are thorns to me, never, never. Some of, some of those thorns are people. Some of those thorns are things. And sometimes you're your own thorn. Like that's what I love about this passage when you study it. Like theologian after theologian, commentary after commentary, scholar after scholar. They all take guesses and then at the end they throw up their hands and say, who knows? We don't know. Thank Jesus they can't figure out what Paul's thorn is. Because your thorn counts too. You see, some say maybe it was the Judaizers. These people, they were following Paul around and cutting him down and trying to, trying to take cheap shots at him and ruin his reputation and keep him from doing good stuff. I mean, everywhere he turned, these Judaizers were just attacking Paul and his message and Christ. And it, it could have been those people just relentlessly attacking him. It, it could have been his past. I mean, some, some 
theologians have said, well, maybe it's his past. He was a bad dude. I don't know if you knew that. Before his conversion, he was responsible for killing Christians in the early church. Like he persecuted the church with zeal. He was all about taking it down. And I don't know, maybe he was haunted by his past. I certainly know what that feels like. Maybe you do too. Maybe it was his health. Some of them say, you know, it's likely Paul was going blind at this part of his ministry, probably in result of a health issue, not just old age. You know, like some of you, you're like, you know, I don't know how close you got to figure out how to do. Is that how you tell how old your eyes are getting? Like how close it comes? Like, not like that, but they thought maybe Paul had a health issue that was affecting him. And at this point in his life, it was flaring up and making his life really difficult. Who knows? I'm glad we don't know. Because you have thorns too. And thorns pop into your life and sometimes they're people. Sometimes maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your circumstances. Maybe it's your past. But what you can know from Paul about your thorn, no matter what your thorn is, is that it can be a catalyst for you seeing God in new and exciting ways, it can be a catalyst for you experiencing God's strength and power in your life like you never imagined possible. You see, there's a paradox in here that's so important. It says this, I was given a thorn in my flesh that was a messenger from Satan to torment me. How many people want to call somebody a messenger from Satan on Facebook right now? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but then he says, I'm pleading with God, and he says, no, I'm not taking it away from you. Like, my grace is made perfect in your weakness. My, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Like, here's the thing. Satan's intention for Paul through the thorn didn't matter. All that mattered was God's intention for Paul. This is huge. Because if Satan's intention for Paul didn't matter, the thorn's intention for Paul certainly didn't matter either. And whatever thorn you're dealing with, their intention for you, it's intention for you, it does not matter. All that matters is God's intention for you. And you want to know what God intends? Yeah, they may intend to cut you down, to bring you down to size, to make you feel pain, to frustrate you like they're frustrated. They may intend to keep you back, to ruin your happiness, to have you beating yourself up. Their intention may be all kinds of things. It doesn't matter because God's intention, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, a letter written to the nation of Israel that reveals God's character to his children, of which you can be through faith. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. That's God's intention for you. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, I, I began a good work in you and I'm going to complete it and it's going to be perfect. That's God's intention for you to complete a better work than you could have imagined and to complete perfection in your life and heart. That's way better. In Romans 8, it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not heaven, not hell, not angels, not demons, not trial or hardship, nothing. You are more than a conqueror. In him who loves you. Their intentions, their intentions may be pretty weak and manipulative and hurtful 
And maybe you've been living under those intentions for too long. God's intention for your life is way better. And He wants to walk you there. You see, the discomfort always highlights our weaknesses and insecurities. Did you know that? Discomfort, when it comes in my life, it always finds the weak spots, the places it can break me, the weakest part of my relationships. That's what discomfort highlights. That's when I get short and temperamental and cranky and unforgiving. And that's when I say things I shouldn't say and do things I shouldn't do. It's when the discomfort highlights my weakness. But here in this passage, Paul's saying, the thorn did something for me that I didn't think possible. The thorn highlighted my weakness and my insecurity. And then God made his power made known through that same junk I was so afraid of and trying to avoid. You see, you can let discomfort in your life highlight weaknesses that will demonstrate God's power to you and through you in ways you never thought possible. You have to flip your perspective. Discomfort is often a step we have to take to get to the best stuff God has for us. We don't have to avoid it or hide from it in our marriages or our homes and our relationships at work. We don't, have to, we don't have to be scared of the insecurities and the weaknesses that flares up in our lives. We can own them and just say, God, I need you to do something bigger and better to bring a comfort. I can't attain myself through this junk. He goes and he says, I'm going to boast. This is crazy talk. This is crazy. This is crazier than that drum solo you did up here just a minute. I'm going to boast gladly, more gladly. I'm going to boast all the more gladly. That's a lot of gladness, and that's a lot of boasting over a bunch of stuff that most of the time we think is nonsense. I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's surely uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to own up to a weakness, let alone brag about it. So uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. But we can boast about our weaknesses so that Christ's power can be made known. When discomfort highlights your weakness, let your weakness highlight God's strength and flip your perspective. God is a good God who intends incredible things for your life. It's a journey that He will take you on. You have to be willing to embrace the discomfort and experience the comfort that only can come through Him. You want to know how to find comfort in better places? Here are four ways, three in a bonus, if that makes you happier, whatever, that you can start to find more comfort in your life from the right place, and it beats the heck out of a jar of ice cream from the fridge or office episodes or whatever else. In Psalm 23, it says this about God. It says, He leads me beside quiet waters. That sounds so comforting right now. I bet it's cooler than it is in here, too. He refreshes my soul. I got to be honest with you. I need that right about now. I could use some refreshing of my soul. I'm tired a little bit. He, He guides me along the right paths. That's really good because I have trouble trying to figure out the right paths. That's so comforting for His namesake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the comfort part that leads you to the better places in life. The green pastures, the rushing water, the wonderful things, the right paths for you to take. The comfort piece is this. His rescue, his protection, and his direction. I'm sure for the sheep, when they get hooked off of a ledge that they were very happy to climb to by that little hook on the edge of that staff that a shepherd would use, that that would probably feel pretty uncomfortable as it snatched them out of danger's way. It maybe even hurt a little bit. But God will rescue you with that staff, and you can take great comfort in the fact that no matter what, there are some things that no one can take from you. Your salvation found through faith in him. Eternity and joy and forgiveness and peace with God and a relation. Nobody can take that stuff away from you. See, he rescued you. And his rescue, that staff, it looks like a cross. His protection. You know, that staff is what they would like go all like Zorro. You kids don't even know who Zorro is. It's disgusting. What is with these? They don't even know who Zorro is. Zorro's like one of my heroes. I heard about him. I watched the replays. I didn't watch the original, right? Like, but they're like all lightsabering. And no, that's not Zorro, Star Wars nerds. I know lightsabers should not be in the same sentence as Zorro. But you get the, like, I'm moving fast here. Like, that staff is what they would, like, whoop a coyote's butt with. I don't know. Like, they would just, like, some trouble comes up to the sheep. I'm going to smack the trouble in the mouth with the staff. Like, it's a bad day to be a coyote. His protection. (laughs) God's going to protect you. (laughs) He's going to protect you. You can find comfort in his rod and his staff because it'll give you direction. And sometimes we have a tendency to go down the wrong roads to the destructive places to make the bad choices in which direction we should go and when we should take those steps. And his rod, though uncomfortable, and his staff, though in the moment we may not like it because it's taken us away from a road we wanted to walk down, it always leads us down the path of life. You can take comfort in God's rescue, protection, and direction And in Psalm 119, 76, the bonus or number four, it says this, I know that your laws are righteous. And and this part threw me this week. Listen to this. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. That doesn't sound very comfortable. In the moment, it doesn't seem faithful. But in his faithfulness, In his best intention for you, he afflicts us sometimes because the uncomfortable things are the right things that lead us to the best places. And then the psalmist says this in 119.76, may your unfailing love be my comfort. May God's unfailing love be your comfort too. Because no doubt, you're going to need it. And the things we have placed temporary comfort in always end up disappointing. I want to find my comfort 
in a God who doesn't change, in a God who loves me, in a God who is faithful to me, even when it means walking through discomfort, a God who is leading me beside the best places in life because His intention for me is better than anything else. Like, I hope you know this God intends amazing things for you. You can trust Him, and you can follow Him, even when following Him means walking through the uncomfortable to get to the better. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank You for being a God who loves us. We thank You that comfort comes through You and that we can have comfort and that comfort's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a promised thing. Just help us to seek it in the right place. Help us to trade our temporary moments of comfort from fleeting things that often fail us. Help us to trade that for comfort in You. And some of us this morning, we need comfort. That's what we need. We've been hurting and beat up, and we need comfort. So I pray that those people who need comfort this morning would know your character. They would know you as the God who comforts in the midst of our trouble. Others of us, what we need is to be a little uncomfortable, to be willing to take courageous steps of faith, having the uncomfortable moments that we need to have to follow you in the direction you're taking us. And we trust that even when we can't see it, even when those steps are scary, that your direction for us is always right, and that you are always leading us towards life and away from destruction. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your rod and your staff. We take our comfort from you because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.